Shalom and welcome. A new week of Let's Talk Torah. So glad you're joining me today. I hope you had a wonderful Shabbat. Uh, received the rest and restoration that we all diligently seek in that wonderful day. So thank you for joining in today. If you're live or if you're going to be tuning in later on, if you are new to our channel, be sure to subscribe and like. We would love for you to come back. We have lots of different shows bringing content all week long, some daily, some weekly. So, so thankful that you are here today. Hope that you can be blessed by this. I am going to be going over both the half Torah and the Basura portion today. So let me get my PowerPoint shared and we will dig in starting with Isaiah 61 through 20. I'm sorry, 1 through 22. I'm just so thankful for Brother Lee, who does the Let's Talk Torah portion every Shabbat. Usually he has multiple chapters to go through and brings us such deep insight. I know just digging into these 22 chapters, it took some time. Uh, so I know he puts in quite a bit of effort and time to bring us those presentations, as well as everyone else throughout the week that has content to share. Just so thankful for everyone here at Heart of the Tribe and the time that they put in. All right, let's get going. So like I said, this is Isaiah 60. I'm going to start in verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of Yahuwah is risen upon you. Zion cannot shine with her own light, for she has no light of her own having preferred to walk in darkness through all the years of captivity. They're just down on themselves. They felt forsaken. Uh, of course, they were not following Yah, following false idols. So they have walked through this darkness. Isaiah is addressing Yah's people to awake and rise from a state of darkness and mourning and enter into a state of light and happiness. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. That's in Isaiah 9 verse 2. I love all throughout this portion here. I've got quite a few other references out of Isaiah in different chapters that aren't covered in this portion. But it's amazing how he's able to bring so much context throughout the entire book. It's, it's definitely becoming one of my favorite books to study and to learn. So I did want to look up the Hebrew word of shine and get a little bit more detail on that. We can see it's pronounced aura or ori, which is to be illuminated. For till thou arise and call upon Yahuwah, thou wilt never receive true light. It's an amazing definition. We can see that we need Yahuwah in our life to be able to shine, to have that light of goodness, to be a light to others. This is out of John 8, verse 12. Then spoke Yahusha again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but, have, but shall have the light of life. So there you can see with Yahuwah and Yahusha, we both are able to get that light into our lives. Only through him can we shine unto the world. 
This is a reference I found from Albert Barnes. The light here referred to is that of the gospel. And when the prophet Isaiah says that the light is come, he throws himself into future times and sees in vision the Messiah as having already come and as pouring the light of salvation on the darkened world. You know, that's what we're called to do as well on this narrow path, to be the light to those struggling through the dark. Most of us have all been there in the darkness, down on ourselves, lost, not knowing where to turn. But Messiah and Yahuwah, our Father, is the only answer, the way to get out of that dark pit, uh, to be able to just cast all of our burdens and sins, discouragement, anything that's plaguing you that you can't seem to shake, you can give that to him, to our Messiah. He will take that from you, allow you to shine after doing so. Verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, the gross darkness the people, but Yahweh shall rise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. I was curious what it meant by gross darkness. A striking, a striking emblem of ignorance, error, sin, guilt, misery, or danger. I'm sure we all have been in a gross darkness in our life. Experienced one or multiple of these descriptions here. So, just having that light shine upon us is so important, as well as to give that light off to others. Isaiah 59 9. Therefore is judgment far from us, neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but beyond obscure, behold obscurity for brightness, but we walk in darkness. You know, they're searching for that. They're wanting that light. They're just overcome with their own fleshly emotions. Uh, they're feeling forsaken, lost, left alone. They need that light that Yahuwah, their father, offers. Ephesians 5, 8. For ye were in time past darkness, but now are ye light in Yahuwah. Walk as children of light. I love that verse. And this was a great uh, saying from E.L. Hull. I thought this was a very great insight. Man is not in a world of darkness, but blind in a world of light. All he needs is the opening of that spiritual eye that the light may be seen. You know, the light is here. We just have to welcome it into our lives. A room full of darkness cannot be that way if there is light. You know, the light always conquers the darkness. So just remember that, that the light will always overpower the darkness in your life and others. Verse 3, And the other nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. When Yah lifts up his glorious light over Israel, the Gentile nations, as well as their kings, will see it and be attracted to the light of Israel's rising and want to participate in the blessing of the gospel. This will be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom of Yahusha when Israel is lifted up among all nations. You know, we all know how inviting and infectious uh, uh, that light can be. When we see it in others, we just want to gravitate to it. 
I can only imagine the light that Yahusha admitted as he walked this earth. You know, the uh, the disciples just dropped everything they had and were doing and followed him. That light he must have admitted was like a, a fly or a bug is attracted to a light. You know, that's a horrible analogy. But, you know, there's something about that light that just wants to bring you closer to them. Isaiah 42, 6. I, Yahweh, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand and will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people, for a light of other nations. Verse 4. Lift up your eyes round about and see. All they gather themselves together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. We can see carried at the hip was an Eastern tradition of carrying young children. The nurses who bring back the children are representing those heathen nations. Isaiah 49, 22. Thus says Adonai Yahuwah, Behold, I will lift up my hand to those other nations and set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. Verse 5, then you shall see the flow together and your heart shall fear and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea shall be turned back unto you. The forces of the other nations shall come unto you. Jerusalem would look with deep interest on that great multitude that would be converted to her and that the effect would be to cause their heart to overflow with joy. You know, as I was looking into this verse your heart shall fear and be enlarged. That wasn't a negative thing. It was that the heart was beating rampant, that it was full of joy, being enlarged, just exceedingly big. I thought that was a neat way of putting it. Jeremiah 33, 9. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them, and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity I procure unto it. Nearly all the wealth that was imported by Solomon and others to Judea came from beyond the sea, and that it was natural to speak of such places as abounding in riches. There will be great prosperity and glory when all the land should come under the influence of the truth. Thank you for everyone joining in. I'll go through these comments. We see uh, my wife, Lee, Brother Lee, Kat, Nina, Jeanette, Jen. So glad you're here. I hope this message blesses you. Rin Tin Tin, so good to see you. Picking up in verse 6. The multitude of camels shall cover you, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All they from Shiva shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall flow forth the praises of Yahuwah. I was curious what this dromedaries is. I probably need to research and figure out how to actually pronounce it correctly as well. But it was interesting. It's a smaller sort of camel with only the one hunch, but they are known for their swiftness in running. I don't know if this is a accurate statement, but it is said by the Arabs that they will run as far in one day 
as their best horses will do in nine and that they can endure the want of water for four days. So it does seem like a pretty efficient animal that would be allowed them to carry many heavy treasures, belongings um, from place to place through that desert. Wealthy nations like Shiva were famed for their gold and frankincense, which was brought to honor Yahuwah, just like the wise men brought those items to honor the birth of Messiah. I thought that was a wonderful parallel we see from the Old and New Testament. Verse 7, All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto you. The rams of Nevaoth shall minister unto you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Adorning the temple by bringing the distant nations with their most valuable possessions to worship there. We have here a picture of the manner in which men from every part of the world are gained for that truth of the gospel and thereupon honor Yahuwah with the gifts of their hands and labors. Verse 8. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as the doves of their windows, referring to the vast number of converts before mentioned who are compared to a cloud for the number of them covering Judea as the clouds do the heavens. The prophet Isaiah in vision sees a vast multitude coming to Jerusalem or hastening to embrace the new true religion. A quote from John Gill, the captivity of Israel who are gathered together and come to their own land as doves that return to their dove houses. Verse 9, Surely the isle shall wait for me and the ships of Tarshish First, to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, unto the name of Yahweh Eloheka, and to the Holy One of Yasharel, because he has glorified you. The isles or maritime countries of the West have long waited for a Redeemer, sending their sons and possessions far and wide to the land that Yah has set his name upon. When we give up ourselves to Yah, we must with ourselves give up all we have to Him. If we honor Him with our spirits, we shall honor Him with our substance. Verse 10, And the sons of strangers shall build up your walls, and their king shall minister unto you. For in my wrath I smote you, but in my favor have I had mercy on you. The sons of the people or Gentiles who were strangers from the covenants of promise, strangers to Yahuwah and Yahusha and to the gospel, will be useful in building up the assembly of Yah, in strengthening, protecting, and defending it. Verse 11, Therefore your gate shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day nor night, that men may bring unto the few forces of other nations and that their kings may be brought. To all who seek salvation, may free, may free access at all times. There is no fear of enemies entering, since war would cease. The gates of cities were normally closed in times of war, or at night, to guard them from danger. But we can see that those doors will always be open. No one is turned away. Everyone is always welcome. The gospel will be constantly and unceasingly offered to people. The doors of the assembly shall at no time be closed, 
by day and by night, at all seasons and in all places, people may come and obtain salvation. That's a wonderful promise. There's no hours of operation. It's open day and night, 24-7. Just a wonderful thing to know that it's always there waiting for us to seek it out. Verse 12, for the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. Anyone that does not obey Yah, it is true that they shall be utterly destroyed. This is certainly one reason why sinners hasten to embrace the Savior. It's important to have a healthy dose of the fear of Yahuwah. The verb here, wasted, applies strictly to the lands rather than to the people. And I found a verse here in Zechariah 14, 17 to help back this up. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth under Jerusalem to worship the king, Yahuwah Sevaoth, even upon them shall be no rain. So we can see that those lands will suffer with famine, be desolate uh, of death and destruction with no rain, no crops to survive. Verse 13, the glory of Lebanon shall come unto you, the fir tree, the pine tree, and the box together to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. This is considered as imagery, the representation is that the barren hills which stand about Jerusalem shall in the new state of things be decked with tall and beautiful forest trees, all the wooded scenery of Lebanon being transported to southern Palestine, so as to encompass the city of Yah with a garden as delightful as that of Eden. The place of Yah's feet or his footstool was in ancient times the temple. This was his rest where he had chosen to put his name, where in a special sense Yahuwah dwelt between the cherubim over the mercy seat. In 1 Chronicles 28.2, Then David, the king, stood upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of Yahuwah and for the footpath of our Elohim. And he made ready for the building. Verse 14. The sons also of them that afflicted you shall come bending unto you. And all that despised you shall bow themselves down at the soles of your feet. And they shall call you the city of Yahuwah. The Zion of the Holy One of Yasharel. The former oppressors and enemies of the church shall acknowledge their former heirs of the heirs of their fathers, and instead of being persecutors, shall become proselytes. Revelations 3.9 says, Behold, I will make them the synagogue of Satan, which they, which say they are Yahudim and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Verse 15. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through you, I will make you an internal excellency, a joy of many generations. So we can see that Zion is at once a city and a wife. As a wife, she is hated and forsaken. As a city, though, 
No man goes through her. Isaiah 62, 4. You shall no more be termed forsaken, neither shall your land any more be termed desolate, but you shall be called Sepsibah, and your land Beula, for Yahweh delights in you, and your land shall be married. Another wonderful promise. Verse 16. You shall also suck the milk of the other nations, and shall suck the breast of kings. And you shall know that I, Yahweh, am your Savior and your Redeemer and Mighty One of Yaakov. This expression means whatever is valuable and rich, which they possess, shall contribute to the advancement of the true religion. Deuteronomy 33, 19. They shall call the people unto the mountain. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall suck of the abundance of the seas and of treasures hid in the sand. Verse 17. For brass I will bring gold, and for iron I will bring silver, and for wood, brass, and for stones, iron. I will also make your officers peace and your exactors righteousness. Thy poverty shall be turned to riches. All things shall be altered for the best. It is an allusion to the days of Solomon when gold was as plentiful as brass, replacing the former inexpensive building materials with the most precious metals, with the most durable materials, so that the city would be both well protected and beautifully ornamented. The government of Zion would be peace and the salvation of righteousness, security within and safety without, so that there is no further need of rulers. Verse 18, violence shall no more be heard in your land, wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls Yeshua and your gates praise. This is a beautiful description of the peace and prosperity which would prevail in the times of Messiah. If the gospel in its purity should prevail on earth, there would be no more scenes of violence and war. Within the bounds or limits, the whole country shall be peace and prosperity. That is, whenever the gospel shall spread, there shall be security and peace. When sal Yah's salvation is upon the walls, it is fit that his praise should be in the gates. And that's just a great analogy of even in our own bodies. You know, when we are full of salvation, when we are full of Yah in our walls, we are full of praise. I love that verse. Or that saying, I'm sorry, it's not a verse. In verse 19, The sun shall be no more your light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto you, but Yahuwah shall be unto you an everlasting light, and your Elohim your glory. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of Elohim did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Idolaters worship the sun and moon, but these shall be no more thy light, shall no more be idolized, but Yahweh shall be to thee a constant light, both day and night, in the night of adversity as well as in the day of prosperity. 
Verse 20, your sun shall no more go down, neither shall your moon withdraw itself. For Yahweh shall be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Truth should reign on the earth, and there never would be a time when the light of salvation would be extinct. There never would be a time when the sun of righteousness would not shine or when the world would be wholly deprived of the illumination of his beams. Such a wonderful thought. I know in New Jerusalem, there will be no sun, no moon, but the light that shines on us will be of our father, Yahuwah, when we finally get to see his face shining upon us brighter than the sun or moon could ever do. Such a glorious, beautiful image. Verse 21. Your people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Thy people that shall inherit this new Jerusalem shall all be righteous, all justified by the righteousness of the Messiah, all sanctified by his spirit, all that people, that Jerusalem, must be righteous, must have that holiness within them, which no man shall see Yahuwah. In much of this book, Isaiah prophecy speaks from before the time of the Babylonian captivity and exile to the time of the exile. To those deprived people of Yah, he points them to a day when they shall inherit the land forever. Isaiah 66, 22 says, For as the renewed heavens and the renewed earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says Yahuwah, so shall your seed and your name remain. In the last verse we have today, verse 22, A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, Yahuwah, will hasten it in his time. The people then small in number would be greatly increased by the ascension of the Gentile world. And there was a fixed appointed time for Messiah's first coming. So there is for his second coming. Acts 1, 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Just an amazing verse to know that we will not know that time or day. We must be ready at all times for that second coming because when the trumpet sounds, we won't have that second chance. Right now is our second chance to turn from our worldly lives, to turn from the world, to cast away our idols, the abominations that we commit on a daily basis, to repent, ask for the forgiveness because our Messiah who died on that cross died for you and me, that we can have everlasting life, hope and salvation through him. He is the door to our father, Yahuwah. I love every time we go through Isaiah. It's just such an amazing scripture. Sometimes it's hard to get an understanding. So I do rely on commentary to help me uh, as I dig through these verses, just to get a better understanding um, he Isaiah was such a wise prophet that clearly was able to see into a future time of when the Messiah was on this earth and possibly when he was coming again. 
So I just, you know, so important to be ready for that second time. We, we don't want to be too late and miss that opportunity. So I am just going to read through the Basora portion. I know we're changing it up a little bit here. Um, I do also, I, I want to keep the Basora on, on our weekly reading. I know we used to do it on Wednesday and may keep it here on Sunday. I just, I love the portions and I think that it is a blessing to have that. Uh, so I'm just going to read through it this week. If you want to follow along, I've got it up on eSword. All the the scriptures are out of the Sefer. I just love that translation. Uh, the, the true names that have been substituted uh, or should I say put back where they belong. Uh, I feel like it's such an easy, smooth read. Not, not as many thee and thous for me to get tongue tied on. It's just a beautiful wording. And so I do read all of my scriptures from the Sefer. This Basura portion is going to be out of Luke 23, 26 through 56. And it's actually picking up where we left off last week with the crucifixion of Yahusha. Verse 26. And as they laid him away, they laid hold upon one Shimon, the Syrian, coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross that might bear it after Yahusha. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Yahushua turning unto them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breast which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green tree, what shall be done in the day? And there were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and one on the other on the left. Then said Yahusha, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be the Hamashiach, the chosen Elohim. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If you be the king of the Yahudim, save yourself. And the superscription also was written over him in letters of Yavin and Latin and Ivrit. That is, the king of the Yahudim. And one of the criminals which were hanged railed on him, saying, If you be the Hamashiach, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do not you fear Elohim seeing you are in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Yahushua Adonai, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Yahushua said unto him, Amen, I say unto you today, you shall be with me in paradise.
and it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Yahusha had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my Ruach. And having said thus, he gave up his Ruach. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified Elohim, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him to Galil stood afar off, beholding these things. And behold, there was a man named Yosef, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was a Ramah, the city of Yahudim, who also himself waited for the kingdom of Elohim. This man went unto Pilate and begot the body of Yahusha, and he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never before was laid. And that day was the preparation, the Sabbath drew on. And the woman also, which came with him from Galil, followed after, and behold the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Shabbat according to the commandment. Such a beautiful part of our Besorah. It's it's hard to read, but what beauty lies within that. We see that Yosef, there's many discussions that I've come across where Yosef was actually a close family member to the Messiah. That would be one reason why he was actually allowed to have the body of, of Messiah to bury him in his own personal tomb. You can see that he actually was willing to make himself unclean by first going to ask Pilate, a pagan, for permission to have the body of Messiah. Then made himself unclean as well by touching the dead body to bury him, to wrap him in that linen in his own tomb that would never again be used. So beautiful. And I know in uh, Let's Talk Torah yesterday, we had me and Lee were talking and he brought a, up a wonderful parallel. You know, we have discussed the, the different parallel and comparisons between Moshe and Yahusha between the Old and New Testament. And one that we both had really not thought of was in Exodus 17, as they are fighting the army of Amalek. Moshe, in verse 12, Moshe's hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And we know that when his arms were raised up, that the army, that Yahushua, the son of Nun, they were victorious. And we can see that symbolism of his arms being raised would be just like what people saw of Yahushua up on the hill, on the cross. Those 
people down in the battle would see that, that parallel of what looked like Yahusha on the cross within the two on the side acting as the criminals on the right and the left. I just thought that was amazing when Lee brought that up yesterday. Such a wonderful comparison. That is all I have for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining me today. I hope it was a blessing. I It blesses me each and every week that I get an opportunity to come on and speak the words of Yah. I don't ever want to speak the words of myself. I always ask that Yah put His words in my mouth for those that need to hear it. I'm so grateful to be able to do this, to spend the time to dig into His Word, to get a deeper understanding. I know that's what all of you want, and that's why you are here. So please join us again. We have many more shows coming this week on Heart of the Tribe. We do lift up and pray for all those in the group and our community that have been under the weather, that have been dealing with sickness. We ask that Yah restore you back to health, that you come back stronger than ever, and that you can join us again here soon. Thank you so much, everybody. Shalom. I hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you again.